Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! And that was the voice of Mr. John Luke Shapiro. You just heard. Welcome back to Forever Blue Shirts Radio, everyone. It has been about a month since we joined you all, and I'm pretty sure I can say a statement right now. A lot has happened in that month. Now, joining me as always, Mr. Kevin Krupe. Kevin, say hi to the folks at home. Hi, folks. And Mr. John Luke Shapiro, say hi to the folks at home, buddy. Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. What no, he is didn't up? just accidentally hit rewind. That is how he sounds. <laughs> now, as we sit down and talk here, it's good to be back with the boys discussing Rangers hockey. And right now, uh, actually right before we hit play to record this segment, we decided to talk about, for all the good Jeff Gordon has been doing, we're in a little bit of a pickle right now. Uh, we have a bit of a cap crunch situation. Uh, the Rangers need to be cap compliant. Of course, they can be over the cap. Until I believe training camp starts or a little after October first. October, October 1st. There 1st. we go. Thank you, Jail, for correcting me on that. But the Rangers need to be cap compliant by then. Of course, there's a lot of time between now and then, but I'm sure they'd like to have their summer plans finalized within the next few weeks. So, I mean, we've heard all types of things going forward here. Is Brendan Smith going to be bought out? Kevin Shattenkirk going to be bought out? Uh, are people going to be traded? It's very up in the air right now. So, we're going to go around the horn here. Kevin, what do you think is the best? Uh, way out of this cap crunch situation. How? What is the best way for them to get under the cap right now? Well, as of today, July 30th, um, the Rangers have one more day. I think it's up until noon tomorrow uh, where they could buy somebody out thanks to reaching a deal with our last RFA, Pavel Buchnevich, on Friday, I believe. So they had an extra two days to think about what they wanted to do, extra two days to really call over the weekend. Jeff Gordon knew exactly what he was doing you know, signing that deal after five o'clock on a Friday. And he decides like, okay, let's do this. We have time. Let's call people. And now they have a chance to buy somebody out, which, you know, it could be Brendan Smith. Um, it's very unlikely that it's Kevin Shattenkirk, but his name has been thrown in the air a couple of times. seems like a last resort. Um, maybe even Mark Stahl and Vlad Nemestikov has been up there, but 
the best thing for them to do is get a trade partner. And I, I think at this point, it's not too much to ask to not be too greedy. He's hit home runs on all these deals for the past year and a half, ever since the letter. God, I feel like we're a broken record because we always keep talking about the letter, but it's a, it's a key part of this, the Rangers history now. But, you know, you have to realize that you're not going to get amazing deals every single time. You might have to sell a little lower just so you can get cap compliant or, you you know, you get the team that you want. And you are at the team. And personally, I'd rather them keep Strom. I'd rather them keep Shattenkirk only because that cap hit would be terrible if they, you know, buy him out. But Smith looks like the possible buyout. Nemestikov looks like a trade candidate. And um, if someone really wants to take half his salary, someone could take Kevin Shattenkirk off their hands. I agree with that. And I think Shattenkirk, you can't have that giant amount of dead cap from the buyout from him. It just can't happen. I think the best route forward, like you said, is definitely finding that trade partner for Vlad Nemesnikov. Now, I don't know why this is taking so long. Maybe people aren't fighting. Maybe it's a fact that no one wants to take on all of that $4 million. Well, He's also a UFA at the end of the year, which is, is a big that, issue. And I feel like team. part of it is also that the team wants to keep Chris Kreider for this year. And they, I feel like they also believe that his trade value, if he does have a good year this season, which, you know, why not? He's, he's still young. He's still in his prime. He could be a better candidate like Rick Nash was and like Kevin Hayes was, and you get a first-round pickback for him, which I still think they could get. He has a whole year of team control. Why not? Why not start out, start him out fresh and you know with a new team? Yeah, and I think Kreider, it would be more beneficial to him and to the team to have, if they were going to go that route, have him trade during the summer. Don't let it drag on to the trade deadline. I mean, you don't want to have this scenario a third trade deadline in a row. You want, to, you want the guys who are here now to be here and to start and it, hurts, it hurts the young team, too. It hurts chemistry, and it, it's just not good for the team as a whole. No, and I mean, personally, I'd like to go into the year with the top six of Kravtsov, Kako, Zibanejad, Hedl, Panarin, and Butchnevich. I mean, that's ultimately what I would really like. And Chris Kreider is not a bottom six player, and I think his time would be best served elsewhere. But, you know, that's why we have these debates. Now, JL, what do you think is the best path forward here you know, we're talking about the domestic call by trade or buyout or a Smith buyout, but do you think there's another way they can get cap compliant that maybe people haven't thought of? Well, one of the things they could do is, uh, you know, obviously make a couple of trades, but another thing that people don't realize is that maybe, just maybe, they can trade an asset that's already on the team that more than likely people wouldn't expect. You know, or potentially maybe package a younger guy with an older guy to get reliant or compliant, rather. Excuse me. So let's say you send uh, you send Mark Stahl to a team with a younger defenseman that's willing to take on cap. You know, seeming the Rangers have a ton of young defensemen already. Say you throw Mark Stahl and a Tony D'Angelo or, or or another young defenseman on to another team to take on so that the Rangers can become cap compliant. I doubt that's going to happen because it seems like the Rangers are the ones who are not in the driver's seat, but uh, I think that can be an option along with just buying someone out. It more than likely seems like someone's going to get bought out if anything. And if not, then a trade has to happen. So, I mean, if we look at it this way, as Kevin said, we have about a day to go until the buyout window closes, but, the fact that they haven't bought someone out yet tells you that Jeff Gordon is probably really working the phones here. Um, now, I like that idea of trading Stahl with possibly a younger defenseman. I don't know if it would actually work, but 
what are teams that you could see that working with JL since it was your idea of you trading stall and someone younger possibly? Well, you have to take a look at teams like the Ottawa senators who they just made a trade today uh, for Ryan Callahan to become cap compliant for the most part, because Callahan's career is pretty much over with, which is a shame. Uh, so you look at a team like the Ottawa Senators that have a lot of cap space that they can use a guy like a Mark Stahl for their younger guys. I mean, they have a lot of young defensemen on that team, and a guy like Stahl and another young defenseman from the Rangers can go over there and pretty much help them out. That's how I see it. That's the only team I could think of at the moment. I'm not entirely sure of other teams with a lot of cap space. There probably are, but I'm just it's not coming to me. I'm trying to look for one right now, but um. The, mo- the, more, the most logical trade partner, at least in this aspect, is the Ottawa Senators, you know? So I think if they wanted to take on a contract, Mark Stahl would be perfect for them because it provides them some stability because I think a lot of their existing contracts run out in about a year or two. So, you know, got a couple of young guys on the team who will be with them for the time being, and you get a guy who's going to be on their roster for another couple of years, and he could pretty much be the mentor and get all the minutes he could because, let's face it, Ottawa's not going to be good in the next couple of years, and you hate to just take someone and bury him, but if you're the Rangers, you have to find out what's best for you. True, and, I mean, I think that's a great, I think that's a great idea. I think Ottawa will be a team to look at for something like that. Um, are there teams struggling to get to the cap floor? I mean. I don't know if any team wants to take someone on like Mark Stahl, though, at the same time. But personally, it's going to be tough, but I really think the Brendan Smith buyout is probably the way to go here, at least one of the first steps. But, Kevin, yes, you had something to say. Go right ahead, buddy. Well, you know, you can also, as kind of building on what JL said, not maybe not um, add a defenseman, but maybe somewhat kind of subtract value from a different deal. So you're trying to get you – know, I don't want to say you're trying to get rid of Chris Kreider, but if you're trying to, you know, trade Chris Kreider away because you know you don't want to re-sign him next year, you could add someone like, you know, Mark Stahl or Kevin Shattenkirk or somebody with a cap hit. That's a defenseman that, you, you know, you might – you're right. You might need to hit the cap floor. And, you know, you might have a place like Colorado or you might have some other place where, you know, you could see Kreider going and contending. But – you know, th- that's another thing. Like, Jeff Gordon is a very, very clever GM. He's we've, he's shown time and time again he's very smart. He knows how to get deals done. He plays the long ball. But now it's playing kind of short term. You got to see what you can get back right away. He might not want a draft pick. He might want a draft pick. He might not want a draft pick. It depends. So it's it just what's more important to Jeff Gordon? Getting rid of the extra cap and the, you know, the players you might not need next year? Or, you know, keep working on this rebuild. Rebuild, is it over? Is it, you know, in its final phases? Like, do we have a season or two left? It all depends on where they really are in their timeline of rebuilding. Because they could just hold on to Chris Kreider, trade him at the deadline, and they're okay with it. Because they're expecting to lose. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean, look, if they make the playoffs this season, it would be really great. But no one is saying they're going into the season with the expectation. No, they're right in the middle of the pack. Absolutely. And, I mean, look. I like Chris Kreider more than most people. I've loved Chris Kreider since the minute he stepped on this team. But at the same time, you really need to take a look at the situation going forward. And Chris Kreider's 29. And you're not going to want to give a guy like that a Milan Lucic contract or a James Neal contract. So, I mean, I think this Kreider situation, as much as I like him to stay on this team, it's not financially possible. And it needs to be done like I said, soon, you don't want to repeat of the last few deadlines where guys are constantly wondering if they're staying or going. And, you know, I think if Gordon does trade him, you need to get picks or prospects back. 
Um, just have more in the pipeline. You already have a solid set of guys who are going to compete for spots this year. Don't get some more established older NHLers for them. Get some younger guys back. Eat mate. Like I'm not saying get guys for Hartford, but get guys that, you know, see if you can get a prime prospect from someone. See if you can get that first round pick. See where you see if you can get a combination of picks. I mean, it's all about the return for Kreider should be about futures for me. They're not trying to compete this year. You know, maybe the season after you can start worrying about, all right, let's play off focus now, contention soon after. But for me, Kreider is not about the established player. It's about for futures, getting them back. And then you've essentially kind of traded your last big piece you can trade from the holdovers. Stall is not going to go anywhere. I mean, barring a miracle or packaging him like JL said. I don't think the Kevin Shattenkirk buyout is going to come fruition. The trade seems very unlikely right now. It's some one of the Stall and Shattenkirk are these kinds of deals where you just have to wait them out. And, you know, it's going to, it's kind of going to suck for them a little bit these next few seasons because you have this injection with, of talent with Truba, Fox, Keandre Miller soon after, Nils Lundqvist after that, Libor Hayek, Igor Rykov, all these young defensemen that are going to want to step in and have big roles on this team. And I don't think that their roles are going to be diminished because if they're better they're going to be playing and by that point in their careers Kevin Shattenkirk and Mark Stahl will be passed on the depth chart if they haven't already been um this season which we're going to see how the line combo shake out with David Quinn but point being I feel like there's no real easy way out of this situation I mean it's going to be a tough decision regardless to get under the cap floor and it's interesting before the summer started people were saying one of the Rangers greatest strengths was their cap space See, it's crazy to see how quickly it disappears. Well, it's surprising with just only a few players that they just acquired. And, you know, they knew who their top priorities were. If they didn't get Panarin, how different would this offseason really be? I mean, you already have Truba before this even happened, but who do you think the Rangers signed? Do they just end up re-signing Chris Kreider to a three- to five-year deal? Do they just, you know keep all their RFAs and, you know, keep the ducks in the line kind of thing? Or do they go out and trade for someone like Panarin? Well, to a I personally extent? think if the Panarin deal fell through and if he did sign with either the Panthers or the Avalanche or the Islanders, which he was never going to do, but I personally think that if it did fall through, I think Nikita Gusev would have been priority number one for them. They have the picks. They the low, the picks low, to do it. It, It's low risk, high reward at that point because, exactly. like you said, you have all this cap space. Now, people, like, you know, you see people on Twitter arguing. It's like, oh, was it really a low risk? I'm like, it's $4.5 million to a team that's up against the cap. Yeah, it's a huge risk. But a team like the Rangers where, you know, you could buy cap, like, you can't, you know, buy any more cap space. It's just, it's just, it's just. It's it's a smart move, and then we could be on the other end of maybe we'll take on some bad contracts. Maybe we'll do uh you know we'll take a bad contract here or there. Maybe we see um David Clarkson's contract come over here. Maybe we see Ryan Callahan come back just for the just to get some sort of you know commodity. Might not get Mitch Marner if you go the way Toronto did. You might not get Braden Point, but you'll get something. You get draft picks. You get yeah. prospects. But the signing of Panarin kind of negated any chance of us. Oh yeah, of course. Passage. But they, they accelerated their rebuild once again. Make no mistake, I'm thrilled that they did get Panarin, and I'm thrilled that he's going yes. to be in this lineup going forward, but getting him alters the plan moving forward here. Now, JL, we've been seeing all these takes on Twitter uh, about the New Jersey Devils and what they did with Nikita Gusev and how they've been retooling. Uh, you know, they've got, they got P.K. Subban. You know, they drafted Jack Hughes. And, you know, we're seeing these takes on Twitter about people saying how their, rebuild, their build rebuild is suddenly looking a little brighter, I don't buy it. Tell the people at home why the Rangers still are on track to have the better future. 
Okay, so <clears throat> first of all, you throw the whole devil's thing at me because I'm in New Jersey, right? Is that what Absolutely. that is? Absolutely. <laughs> you deal with these people on a regular but, uh, basis. No. <laughs> Un- unfortunately, that is the case. No, just kidding. But um, yeah, no, when um, it seems like the devils are trying to, you know, go tit for tat with whatever the Rangers are doing. And while some of the guys they got were good, they still have a lot of holes that they have to fix. You know, goaltending. Uh, they need more depth on their scoring because outside of Gusev, who is unproven, who is a beast, but he's unproven, Simmons, who is older, Subban, who is older and has had a bigger injury history, uh, and, you know, depending on the health of Hall and, you know, how he sure performs on a bare-bones roster, yeah, things may look halfway decent for them, but compared to the Rangers, I mean... I don't want to sound like I'm on a high horse here, but you look at the levels of talent between the between the the two teams, and it seems like the Rangers have a, a a higher a higher ceiling when it comes to the youth that they have. So you look at look let's look at Panarin and I guess what the comparison for Panarin is Gusev. Okay, Panarin easy, better player at the moment. Okay, uh, Simmons and. Uh, I'm trying to think. Who, 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 you, oh, let's do Kako and Hughes. While Jack Hughes is technically still the better player, Capo Kako fits the Rangers more, and it seems like the infusion of the other talent that the Rangers currently have is better for him because Jack Hughes is going to be the guy that's going to have to carry, no doubt about it. Capo Kako is going to be able to maybe ease himself in a little more with guys like Kratsov and Panarin and Sabanajad and Buchnevich. So... And then you look at P.K. Subban and Jacob Truba. I think P.K. Subban's a great defenseman, but he has a strong injury history, just like Eric Carlson. Not as crazy as Eric Carlson, but still he has an injury history. And then he, you know, has declined. Meanwhile, Jacob Truba's up on on the up, up and up. No? So we'll, you will have to see how this ends up in the next two years because anything could change. But right now, the Rangers seem to have the advantage. Yeah, and I mean, comparing the two, also you have to look at the defense prospects, I think, as well. And yes, the Devils of Ty Smith, um, but the Rangers also, you have to remember here, Adam Fox is one of the best non-NHL players on the planet, according to some people, and now he will be taking his first steps into that league. Igor Rykov, who was a Devils prospect, now a Rangers prospect since the Michael Grabner trade, is looking like he's going to be a special defenseman after what he pulled off in the KHL playoffs sometimes playing 40 minutes a night in some instances. I, I, you can keep going. Jacob Trouba, like JL said, 25 years old, first 50-point season, going to be the number one defenseman on a budding blue line. And then all the reinforcements in the years after in Keandre Miller and Nils Lundqvist. And who knows, maybe we still have a special player in Tony D'Angelo, depending on how his development continues this season and if they decide to keep him around. Uh, Kevin, what's going on, buddy? What do you have to say about this new budding rivalry in the Hudson, which finally seems to be ready to explode again. Well, this I like this rivalry a lot more than I like the one between us and the Islanders. For some reason, the Devils always, to me, seemed like a... I don't want to say a contender, but they seem more, more of a threat. Obviously, the Islanders have more history. History, I mean, in quotations, if you can't see me do it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just, you know, for some reason, the Devils seem like they're more serious on our level. Yes, you could say the Islanders were competing last year. They made it to the playoffs. You know, they got the sweep in the first round. You know, did they get the sweep in the first round? 
They did. They did so, get the sweep I, in the first round. There were so many sweeps. Too many sweeps. I, I can't handle it. But, um, you know, they, they looked like a true force to be reckoned with. And then, you know, they go out and they don't keep their goaltender. He was a Vesna finalist. They don't. Uh, you know, because well, what's what's the and then he, ha- he ends up signing a one year deal in Chicago. It's just it makes no sense. It's just you know, the Islanders always seem like they lost out on Panarin, they lost out on Tavares. They always have to get somebody new. They almost lost out on their captain. It's just it's it's ridiculous. It there's the little brother organization, but like the Devils seem like our equal. You know that cousin that always challenges you when he comes over, kind of thing. It's just the, the Devils re, rebuild, I guess. You know, they were in a rebuild quickly. It's just they're rivaling the Rangers, but the Rangers are doing so much better. But you got to look at, you know, what did the Devils really give up getting Gusev, getting P.K. Subban? And, you know, the only reason Gusev didn't, didn't you know, only went for two picks, low picks, is because he's not proven in the NHL. Truba went for a first-round pick, and Neil Pionk, who, you know, don't get me wrong, his defense is lacking, but he's still young. You know, give him less responsibility. He's going to be playing second pair, third pair minutes, so he might actually do great. Nobody knows. It's just, you know, you know, you got to compare everything to to a certain extent. And uh, one thing that I did real, I, I was thinking about was the Rangers' power play. As much as we've had a problem with it over the years, you have to realize it's going to get so much better. At least with the first unit, you have Kapokako, Panarin, Zabanajed, Truba, and Fox. And that might not even be your first power play unit. That might be just five guys I'm naming because you still have uh, Filipino. You still have Tony D'Angelo. You still have, you know, um, Leas Anderson. All of these guys, Kratzov, like all of these guys that could just fill in these spots. And it, it, it just, it's just amazing. It's just their power play might actually score goals. We might hear Sam, see, might hear Sam Rosen yell, it's a power play goal more than once every five weeks. So we'll see. And and to add to your point, uh, Kevin, point? Uh, the the power play ah, was already my the power play was already halfway decent last season with the exactly. of Mika Zibanejad. The only and, problem and was that and Buchnevich. So the only problem was is that they never really had that extra winger to supplement the extra firepower that a good power play needs. Like you look at. You know, teams like Washington, they have pretty much two power play snipers on each of their lines, including Ovechkin. Like, you can throw Backstrom on one line, you can have Kuznetsov on another. So now, with guys like Kratsov and Kako and Panarin, along with Zibanejad, already on a good power play under David Quinn, they're going to score a lot of power play goals. Like, they did it very well last year. Say what you want about the team's defense last season, but if there was one thing that the Rangers did very well last season was score on the man advantage. They took – they just went absolutely insane shots and goals on the man advantage. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we might actually see – the, you know, you know, Crosby and Ovechkin, that whole rivalry between, you know, the Penguins and the Capitals. We might see this whole big thing finally flame up between the Devils and the Rangers where it becomes, you know, the whole league recognition. You know, these games are getting played on, you know, national TV. You could see it as a Sunday night, you know, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night game on, on, on you know, NBC and not just NBC Sports Network. And it won't just be an MSG exclusive kind of thing. So, you know, you always saw the pens and caps. Always. 
But now we might start seeing Devils and Rangers, Devils and Rangers. And then Hughes advancing the same time Kako is. And then who's going to be better than who? Who's the better scorer? Who's more valuable to his team? Who's going to win, you know, the Calder? Who's going to win this and that? And it's just going to – I can't wait. I'm so excited. Even even if Kako loses to Hughes, it's just going to be so good to watch, like, good hockey and just, you know, the two teams getting at it. But the only downside to this is that the ticket prices for MSG are going to be so high for the Devils and the Rangers, and I'm so sad. Yeah, the days, the days of low ticket prices seem to be coming to work around it. There's secondary them. markets for that, Kevin. Don't be scared. Oh, we have the, we have the fence over there that's selling the cheap seats. So everyone, redirect your uh, Twitter mentions to Jail Shapiro to hey, get man, your. Look, uh, I I get in I get into MSG in the Prudential Center on fair prices, and I'm broke half the time. Not because of that, is because how many times are you looking for? Here. <laughs> Just tell just give me a number. You don't have to be exact to MSG. How many times did how many times did I go to MSG last year? Uh golly. Golly um, G, guys. Golly. Let, I let's went say three I times. I went about eight times. Eight times. Yeah, about eight times, probably. Nine More times. You have no money. Well, yeah. <laughs> you live one small train <laughs> right away. I do, yeah. Do you wait till like the last second to finally hit the ticket? It's like, oh, geez, upper bowl, twenty bucks, done. Oh and no, you rush over my secret. Oh no, what am oh, I going no. to do? Kevin's oh, no. got me. You've exposed him. Oh no, what? I'm gonna have to kill you now. <laughs> By the but way, the Rangers yeah. were about midway for their power play percentage. They had nineteen point four percent. I mean, right there with Buffalo, and it's just. Do you think they could be in the top ten next year? Yeah, is that absolutely. a possibility absolutely. with that power play percentage? Yeah, yeah you know who was second? You'd never guess who was second. Guess just the Ottawa Senators. No, no, the Florida. It was definitely like the Florida Panthers. It was the Florida Panthers. They were second, only two percent lower. But you know where Ottawa finished? Thirteenth with twenty percent. Interesting. Though. Yeah, they didn't have a bad power play at all. No, they were. That. They, that was the thing. The Ottawa Senators weren't. They were. They were bad. But they were just, you know, they weren't horrendous. Yeah, and you know, what? I like bad. the I like the turn this has made towards the power play because, look, the Rangers have stati- like the pa- over the past few years, it's always been an issue with the power play. I'm glad you guys brought it here because there is no more excuses now. If this power play cannot come together now, when you have the second the second overall pick on one wall, Panarin on the other wall. Zabadjack controlling everything in the middle, Truba up top, and then a fourth piece on there. You need fifth, to score on the power piece, play. Russell, you named four. Fifth piece, yes. When you, but depending on who it is, could it be Fox? Could it be Fox? Maybe. Depending if they want to really load up that first unit. But back to the original discussion, the rivalry's back, and it's back in a big, big way. And, you know, it's going to be after a few years of the Rangers and Devils not really being the cream of the crop, to have them kind of back among the conversation of being playoff hopefuls and then hitting contender status around the same points again, even with the wild card of Taylor Hall hanging over the devil's heads this year, depending on what he decides to do. Although that's a story for another time, but it's more like, you know, devil's talk. Yeah. Which we're not going to get into. And we really want to talk about the devils, but point being here, the New York Rangers back to our original topic. So we can tie everything together. Cap crunch. The reason for it is because of the influx of talent. Jeff Gordon has gotten that influx of talent has led us here to the revitalized Battle of the Hudson. And no matter what happens, they, we know they will find a way to get compliant before the first. Some tough moves will probably have to be made, but we've been having to deal with those tough moves for the past two seasons now, basically. 
And if anything that Jeff Gordon and his staff have shown to us and all the fans is that we should trust in them because they are making some really, really solid moves. And something else I wanted to talk about with you both is Gordy Clark and Nick Bobrov. Gordy Clark is one of the Rangers head scouts. Nick Bobrov is the head of the Rangers European scouts, scouting department. Since Gordy Clark has been a Ranger scout, he's kind of been lauded a little bit in the sense that, like, some te- some fans really haven't liked a lot of what he's done, and it's understandable. Since he's been in the scouting department, he's made some gaps. Nick Bobrov was brought in around the same time Gordon became the GM, and kind of since the start of the Gordon regime, um, Bobrov and Clark have done a really, really good job here. Um, finding value in players, hitting on the first-round picks. Um, it seems the years of the McElrath and the Delzado and things are starting to go by the wayside, and the scouts are really starting to take a look at who is high-end in this pool. And, and a beautiful example of that is the 2018 draft when the Rangers had three picks. Kravtsov was looked at as a little bit of a reach. Miller was universally looked at as a really good pick due to the home run swing for the upside. And Lundquist was a little bit of an unknown to some people. But just a year later, a little more than that, Kravtsov has been named by some as even the top prospect not on an NHL squad. Keandre Miller is one of the fastest rising defensemen in college hockey. And Nils Lundquist, despite a recent injury, is going to play on a top pair on an SHL squad this year. I mean, that is an amazing, amazing talent evaluation when you get three of those guys in one draft. And you fast forward to this year, the 19 draft, obviously Capo Caco was going to be number two, but Matthew Robertson was picked in the second round and he was determined that he could have been a first round talent. Zach Jones, people are saying he can skate backwards faster than some people can even skate forward. And for a defenseman, that is really something. Someone who was a part of one of the best defenseman pairs last year for the USHL's Tri-City Storm. Levy Altonen, another great young skater who was picked later in the draft. I mean, look, the Rangers have done their homework. Carl Henriksen, who was centering Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz in Sweden last year. I mean, it seems the years of kind of these throwaway prospects, who, yeah, they might make the team someday, who knows, has been transitioned to. And, of course, it helps that we're getting more picks, and it helps that they have higher picks. Yes, that factors into it, of course. But also, I think the scouting staff deserves a little more credit now because some fans really ripped into them in the past. Kevin, what do you think? Well, you know, one of our, you know, one of our writers, uh, Steve, you might all know him as Statboy Steven. He always rips us because we don't know specific uh, Euro prospects, you know, like he does in KHL prospects because, you know, he lives in Europe. He's traveling to the games. That's one of the, that's one of the things he says is like some people like to go on a vacation. I like to go to, you know, hockey games and I like to watch hockey games and watch the rising stars. And he really has the inside scoop on all of these guys. Um, if you're not following, you should follow him at Statboy Steven. Um, but, you know, he tells us all the time, you know, people rank Keandre Miller higher than Nils Lundqvist because he's North American and you know him more and you see more clips of him and they're more mainstream to see. But, you know, all these Euro prospects, and that's basically what the Rangers did. They, they, they decided, look, we're not paying attention to Europe as much as we do. You know, you know we already know all about Canada. We already know about all, all of North America. But let's get some guys in the KHL. Let's start looking like that was that was a thing, you know. Kratsov again was projected between anywhere between ten and thirty last season, and you know the Rangers made a good decision. They decided to take somebody with huge upside playing in the men's league, 
in the second best league in the whole world. So, you know, it's it's a good it's a good standing, it's a good, you know, idea to actually go and see these guys in person, see how they react to the other teammates, see how they, you know, mesh with their ter- their certain team and see what they actually add and, you know, how they can go further with it. You know, with Keandre Miller, one of the biggest things that I noticed was he's literally bigger. He got bigger. And that's a huge thing for a defenseman, especially a shutdown defenseman that he's supposed to be. He's huge now. And, you know, they're taking these chances on kids that, you know, other people, like you said, Russell, Matthew Robinson, who was projected to go if the, I, I if was projected to go the first round if the first round wasn't such a crapshoot. So we'll see. It's just, you know, it, it, time time will tell. If these guys are, you know, as high up as we want them to be, but you know, it's the same. It goes the same way. They could be projected so high and then fall to the bottom, or they could be these unknown guys and be the best players in the world. You know, that's why we got Henrik Lundqvist. So, I mean, you make a good point. We don't know what they, exactly they will bring to the table until they make it to the league. But you know, from talent evaluators, scouts, analysts, everyone has given the Rangers an A plus summer here. I mean, they've been just getting great grades all across the board for their past two drafts. I mean, even three when you want to include Heedle and Anderson. They're making good picks. They're swinging for talent, and it's going to pay off for them hopefully down the line soon. Now, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I haven't been the most confident in their scouting staff. I was one of those people that was, you know, shouting at the TV. But they've proved to me and they've proved to a lot of people just that they know what they're doing. And make no mistake. Nick Bobrov's been a big part of that turnaround, too, with his European scouting. So, I mean, props to the scouting staff for turning it around. And, JL, before we move on to our next topic, I mean, we've gone prospect crazy a little bit. A lot of us have over the past few seasons because the Rangers finally have prospects to get excited about. So, compared to a few years ago, even when the Rangers had, like, semi-high picks, you know, back in 2010 with McElrath and things like that, what is it about now? Do you think that the biggest change has been why the why even with sometimes even with the higher picks, yes. Why is the scouting staff what what is what do you think has been this the point where the turnaround really began here? Well, I I think after uh the Rangers kind of gaffed on McElrath and uh you know the the the, the Rangers started to see how all these other teams, young prospects started to a lot of whom the Rangers drafted. Considering the Rangers drafted late all the time with their long, you know, postseason runs, you know, they were kind of tied up in a sense in that aspect. But now, you know, with the letter coming out and all that, there was a, a, a change in philosophy. And if you look at teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs and you look at teams like the, you know, um, the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and, and uh, you know, the even like the Colorado Avalanche with their young guys of, you know, Landis Cog, uh, McKinnon, you know, Ranton, and, you know, they're focusing on building young talent from not only overseas, but from, you know, the draft. And, you know, the Rangers saw that. And I think once the team got eliminated in 2015 after the Eastern Conference final, I think you can sense there was a shift that was going on because a lot of the old reliables that we remember weren't so reliable anymore. And and you hate to say that, but it, it is true. So you 
you know, once that, once the following season got finished, when they traded for Zabanajad and they managed to make the playoffs that year, you could sense that once that offseason happened, there was a bit of a shift. And that first domino that fell was the Derek Stepan trade. And then with the trade to get uh, the seventh overall, same trade that got them, um, you know, Leah Sanderson. So they started to see all these other teams skyrocket past them in terms of talent. And in order for them to keep up and keep the high standard that the Rangers require of their team, they needed to get it done and they needed to get it done quick. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a great point looking at um, after the McElrath, after the McElrath pick, um, thinking the league was going one way and it was going the complete opposite way. Um, I mean, that McElrath pick, make no mistake, was probably influenced by Torts at the time, wanting a bigger, scarier defenseman over some of the players that were still in there. Like, you know, everyone knows Vladimir Tarasenko and Cam Fowler were picked shortly after. And I think if this regime had been in charge then, we'd have one of them on our squad instead of what we got back then. But point being, there are multiple points we can look at in the recent history of the Rangers here. That McElrath draft especially, um, the eliminate the uh, the kind of the end of the the end of the cup runs in 2015, um, you know, the hiring of Bob Robin 16 kind of brought apart this new air about the Rangers scouting department. And I just felt like it was really important to bring this up that they've been doing a really good job. And without them, this rebuild is nowhere close to what it looks like right now. And the team cannot pull off a lot of these moves that they've been pulling off right now. Um, I mean, if everything pans out the way it's supposed to, you could be looking at something like 280 point guys have been grabbed in consecutive years with Kravtsov and Kako. You could be looking at a guy in um, Keandre Miller, who would be one of the best skating defensemen in the NHL in just a few years. Uh, you know, a smaller guy, Nils Lundqvist, who could help run a power play in the NHL in just a few years. I mean, it's a testament to what they have been doing. And it's really good to see for once uh, or over the past few years, rather than earlier in Henrik Lundqvist's tenure on New York, that the scouting staff has really been, you know, better. And we have prospects to get hyped about. So I think that's really important. And where do prospects go when they don't make the Rangers roster at first? They either go back to juniors, go back to their uh, European teams, or they go to the Hartford Wolfpack. And that leads us into our next discussion of the day is the Wolfpack finally have a new head coach in Chris Noblauk. And Chris is 40 years old, served as an assistant coach for the Philadelphia Flyers over the past few seasons. But this is his first time uh, being a head coach at this level. Uh, previously, he was coaching for seven seasons in the Canadian Junior Hockey Leagues. He coached both the Kootenay Ice of the WHL, who are now the Winnipeg Ice, and he coached the Erie Otters of the OHL during a time when Connor McDavid, Dylan Strom, and Alex DeBrinkett were there. So he knows how to work with talent. He knows how to nurture talent. And, uh, I mean, he's a little bit of an unknown, sure, but it makes me happy to know that they kind of went with someone a little different here, like they did with David Quinn to coach the big club. Uh, you don't want this coaching carousel to just keep going around and around. And I think Chris could be a nice addition uh, to the Rangers coaching uh, family. So, Kevin, uh, what do you think of this hiring of Noblauk? And do you think that it was good for them to get a, a new, younger guy, kind of like David Quinn was to the Rangers? Or do you think they should have gone with a little more experience for their AHL club? I'll bring it back to what you just talked about with the draft, where, you know, older regimes predicted how certain things were going to gonna trend and it was end up being the opposite so you know when we had av when we had torts you know these guys you know focus on the defense you know focus on like these are the veterans these are the guys who know how to play the game the kids will learn kids don't learn they're out that's why coaches play favorites you know all coaches play favorites i'm not going to say that david quinn isn't going to play favorites i'm not going to say 
you know, I can't pronounce his last name. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I it's no it sounds like no block, no block, no block. No it's no block. Yeah. I'll just call him Chris. Yeah. Let's, just call say, Chris. <laughs> let's just say let's just Chris with a K. Not block. Not block. block. Knoblock. Yes. There we go. For, okay. you, for you youngins here who didn't you see youngins. Chuck Knoblock who played for the Yankees, that's how you pronounce it. It's spelled the same way. How about Chris how about you're Knoblock. you're one year older than us and you take it <laughs> take it take it take it easy. Well, just like uh, just like when we when he yeah. first got hired, we did Anyways, we do a quick due diligence, see what he's doing, and he's just had you know in the in the WHL and the OHL, you know, he's had winning seasons. He's had you know uh, an impressive winning percentage of seven sixty eight. Over four seasons with the Erie of the OHL and a 684 through seven seasons within the WHL. And it's just, you know, he he needs to, he's been consistent. Exactly like with David Quinn, been consistent over the years, had a specific play style and not changing things the way, you know, until when there's adversity hitting him and you know, he's, he's successful. You know, that might not, you know, play out for other people as well as it played out for him. But this is a good stepping stone for him. It's not an NHL job; it's an AHL job. He's gonna have new guys coming in every year, just like you do in the young, in the younger leagues. And he's gonna be able to, you know, deal with those guys. He's gonna be able to deal with the veterans because, you know, in these younger leagues, you do have older guys coming in—not older guys, but older guys. And it, hey, any new changes, you know, change, and we have to see the repercussions of it. There might be some time for him to meld with the younger players, you know deal with you know i don't want to say it's a different type of fan base but it's certainly not what he's accustomed to he's been an assistant coach for the flyers so he has some experience that way but now he's the head honcho he's the guy who makes the decisions and he's the guy who basically gets david quinn's leftovers if he doesn't want specific guys so we'll see how that plays out and it'll be very interesting to see what goes on with the goalie situation down in hartford um especially who's going to be there most likely igor says your and let's see how he gets them accustomed to, you know, AHL ice. Because even goalies are going to have problems, you know, shrinking the ice down. He's going to have different reads. You know, he's going to have to realize that there's going to be a lot more screens. And uh, he's going to have to he's, he's going to have to adjust to that. And he's going to have to lead this team. What do you have to say on Mr. Noblock? And what do you think so, he's going to bring to this club? So I, I'm I, I did some uh, some research and I looked up some quote unquote coaching scouting reports if that's what you want to call it in the in and the two Craig minutes Button, that me and Russell were talking correct <laughs> incorrect <laughs> incorrect um, I use the internet um, anyways <laughs> so I I I found a, a, a I have it I pulled it up here on my phone because I'm smart uh, I pulled up the review of um, Chris Knobloch by Craig Button. Uh, not too long ago. He said he wrote this two seasons ago. And it seems like what they're looking for is essentially the same thing. Russ alluded to this. They're looking for the same thing that David Quinn is going to offer the main roster for the New York Rangers. Knobloch is a developmental coach. He is there to get the best out of his players. And they seem to play with that kind of heart. And that's what his junior teams did. And that's what his, um, you know, all his winning teams did. They just played with heart. And it seems like the kids listen to him. And that's the most important thing, especially when you're talking about Hartford, is that you need a coach that the players will listen to. And it seems like with the with the coaches of Ken Jernander and um, Keith, McCambridge. Uh, Keith McCambridge, was that after a while, I mean, it was a little longer for McCambridge because he was there forever. Um, but even with Keith McCambridge uh, and uh, 
you know, two years and they already tuned him out. Ken Jernander, after a ton of seasons, they tuned him out. So what you're looking for is someone who can keep that message going with different players as the years go along and match the same play style and intensity that the NHL team did. There's a reason why Ken Jernander wasn't fired when Torts was here is because they were pretty much the same exact coach. So the Rangers are essentially mirroring that, but now it's David Quinn and Chris Knobloch. And the most important thing I feel like is bringing it back to when JD was first introduced as Rangers president a few months ago. He said, we want the prospects to feel like they're Rangers from the moment they're drafted. And that's huge. Um, that's why they've been amping up uh, uh, guys in different markets. That's why Tanner Glass and Jed Ortmar have some prominent roles in the organization now. He wants them to feel as if they're Rangers from the second they put that jersey on on that stage or by the draft table, depending if it was on day one or two. And having a better culture in Hartford where players don't feel like it's, oh, my God, I'm in exile. It's just, oh, okay, I'm here. This is my stage in the development, and I know that if I do well here, I get to the big club. And having prospects think that way and approach their game that way is going to be something that the Rangers have lacked for a long time. Hart, the Wolfpack has not been exceptional for a long time. And now they've been making some AHL signings. Phil DiGiuseppe comes to mind. Um, Igor Shashirkin is not an AHL signing, but he, Hartford is going to have an elite goaltender this year, depending on how the training camp battle shakes out, whether it's him or Georgiev, but it will most likely be Shashirkin. Um And look, a guy like Greg McKegg, even if he doesn't make the NHL roster, that's a really good veteran presence for Hartford. I mean, they're doing their diligence to make Hartford a better place and make it a place where players can actually grow and develop and there won't be this losing culture and losing stigma around the franchise. And I, for one, hope that this really works out in Hartford's favor here because Lord knows the Rangers need a good AHL squad because if you look at some of the most successful teams in the NHL right now, their AHL team is nothing but a pipeline. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uses Syracuse Crunch, and it seems whoever they say to call up from the Crunch immediately seem to know what they're doing. Anthony Sorelli, Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, these are all guys that spend time with the Syracuse Crunch. Um, if you want to take a look also at the Toronto Marlies, Jeremy Bracco has not been a Toronto Maple Leaf yet. He's been on the Marlies, and he has been – he put up something like 70 points in the AHL last year. And you can bet if there's an injury call-up, he is getting called up from the Marlies. I mean – Using your AHL team as a proper pipeline is something the Rangers have not really been able to do, or they've been dragging guys up from the AHL that haven't been ready yet. And it's been few and far between from guys sticking there. I mean, it's it's good that they're focusing on an incremental part of their prospects development finally, and they're taking it seriously. And that's something that since John Davidson took over from Glenn Savage a few months ago, they've really been making a point of make of saying that this rebuild is not over. We're in a build. We're not close to the finish line yet, and we need to do more here. And having a good coach like Noblock and Hartford, having a good coaching staff like Quinn, these are guys that know how to work with young talent and elite talent. And knowing how to do that and nurturing them as they continue their NHL journey is one of the most important things that could be done while trying to establish a new culture during a rebuild of a franchise. So, yes, it's a lot to kind of take in with a lot that we've been saying, but point being that the three of us are trying to convey is that after years of neglect, Hartford is finally getting some injection of life. And it's something they've needed for a long time now. Now, something we've been debating as well within the group is, should Hartford get a rebrand? Should the jerseys change? Should the name change? Should they feel a little closer to the big club? As the Crunch shares the same exact colors as the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Marlies, obviously, is really close. So 
JLX, I'll start with you on this one. Do you think the Wolfpack needs a rebranding, or do you think that what they're doing now is enough to make them feel closer to the big club in New York? No, I, I think the, the uniforms and the branding is fine. I, I, the, the darker, they have like a darker navy color with red and white. I think that's fine. It's kind of, it, it's close to the Ranger colors. It's not exactly the Ranger colors. Um, they could change up the uniforms a little bit. I'm not exactly a big fan of the stadium series style uniforms that they possess, but if they can, they used to have, I don't know if they still run these alternates or not, but they still, they, they used to have the, um, the Liberty alternates that the Rangers had that used to be their home in, in, in away uniform for some time. So I don't see why they shouldn't go back to that, you know, modernize it up a little bit, you know, and, and, and stick with that. But no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, unless you want to just, you know, pretty much give them the same jerseys as the Rangers have and, you know, just stick Wolfpack on them, then yeah, sure. That's fine. But I don't think they really need to change it. It's, that's just nothing it's it's nice to have a little bit of a a different thing the color scheme is just about the same it's not too far off but you want them to have their own identity at least you know you don't want it to seem like they're too attached you know they they it's it's a nice looking color scheme they have a pretty decent logo you know um, the only exception i will make for that is if they if they decide to go back to the whole connecticut whale thing but i don't think that's going to happen so uh, i think what they have is fine and Kevin, what do you think? Do you agree with JL or do you think, that, like some other people that write for us, do you think that Hartford does, needs a rebrand? Um, like JL said, it's it's close enough where it's not that big of a deal. When they became the Connecticut Whale, it was a little weird because it's just, oh, you're going to be an old NHL team. Good for you, I guess. But no, it's it, they're, they're, it's fine. It's just... The biggest thing is not even just about what jersey they wear because these guys have worn dozens of jerseys over their whole life. It's not going to change. They probably wore every single color in the rainbow before. And it's just going to matter, am I playing well? Am I contributing to this team? And am I going to be, you know, called up? It's just they, they want to be the next big thing in their mind. That's, that's their mindset. That's why the Rangers picked them. That's why they're in some form of higher hockey league. If they didn't have that kind of drive, they wouldn't be there. But like you said, Russ, having two coaches that run the same type of system is going to definitely, you know, help them shift over to the big club. Cause if you have two guys preaching two different things and you're Leah Anderson and you keep getting called up and down, up and down, you're not going to get consistent play. You're not going to score goals. You're going to be, tied between like oh do i have to back check at this certain point am i going to join the rush now or am i going to dump it you know it, it's a whole thing it's not like they play different minutes the rules really aren't that much different the ahl might have a little bit newer ones than the nhl they're usually the you know the guinea pigs when it comes to that but that's it it's it's, it's just they're literally the next stop and if you keep having someone take that drive take that what three hour drive from new york to hartford Back and forth every couple weeks, they, you know, they might as well get some sort of familiarity out of it instead of just being like, "Oh, now I got to change it back up." Now my mind, my mental game is all all messed up. Just the the colors don't matter. The jerseys don't matter. They can there are teams that wear like those random like you know they have Star Wars night, so they wear like Star Wars jerseys, so they have like Nickelodeon night. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they wear. The Rangers can come out wearing you know a black and gold jersey for some reason be the new vegas knights but it's not gonna matter because it's still the rangers 
It's what happens on the ice, not what they're wearing. And that's ultimately what everything has been proven this offseason is that it is all about what's going on on the ice and delivering a better team for the fans. Better product. Better product. And from everything we've been talking about this episode, from the revamping of the scouting staff to revamping Hartford to discussing what moves they were allowed to make because of the revamped scouting staff and, and the picks they've been making to now this blossoming rivalry with the New Jersey Devils. Again, it all ties together back to what the Rangers are doing this whole offseason, and that is just doing their absolute best to improve at every single level of their organization. So before we leave you guys from this week, everyone here, just give me your final thoughts on how to get out of the cap crunch. I think it's going to be a buyout of Brendan Smith, and I think Vlad Nemesnikov is, is gone. I think there's going to be a trade there to be made. It seems they want to hold on to Kreider, so I don't know if he's going. But if I had to say right now, Brendan Smith buyout and a Mesnikov trade. Kevin? Well, if they want to keep Brendan Lemieux, which I really hope they do, they got to get rid of a lot of cap. And that number one, Brent, like you said, Brendan Smith is the most reasonable, realistic option at a buyout. So he's gone. I wholly, truly believe in my heart that Chris Kreider is not a Ranger in September. I mean, in October, whenever. But, you know, we'll see. I, I, want, I expect Kreider to be gone. Nemestikov, maybe, depending on what they get back for Kreider. And uh, Brendan Smith, buyout. And JL, how do they get out of the situation? Uh, I, I kind of have to agree with Kevin, in a sense. Smith gets bought out. Kreider's probably going to get traded because he's the one that's like the hot commodity for New York. And I think Nemestikov gets bought out, too. Because... How is that in a sense? It's the same exact thing. Well... You said Nemestikov get traded. I said bought out. That's They're not going to waste two buyouts on that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, either way, those three play. Thanks, Kevin, for throwing it back in my face. I no, you're it. welcome. It's just it's just <laughs> if they're going to buy out Brendan Smith, there's no reason to buy out Vlad Nemestikov. Well, that's the thing. It all depends if they have the trade partner. But either way, I think those three guys will probably be gone, and you know they'll be able to keep Lemieux and D'Angelo. So that's that. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll, we'll, we will be back. Well, we'll see what major moves the Rangers make this week. But um, we'll be back sooner rather than later. And once the season starts again, we'll be back to our normal bi-weekly show. Uh, we'll see you at least one more time before the summer ends. And then, of course, we will be ramped up again once training camp and Traverse City start late August, early September. Yeah, so, keep guys, checking Forever Blue Shirts for content. Daily. Absolutely. Daily and, content. And I almost I should forgot. contribute to. <laughs> I almost forgot. Excuse me. I want to make sure I remember our new writer's last name before I make this announcement on him. We just got a new writer to the Forever Blue Shirts team, Mr. John Weinberg. Everyone follow him at J-I-N underscore Winberg on Twitter. We're proud to have John as a member of the team, and we look forward to his content as the site continues. I think he's got to go something on. coming out tomorrow. Yes, yes he, he does. does. Yeah. Look forward to it. So look for John's first piece for Forever Blue Shirts tomorrow. And guys, it's been a pleasure. And as always, let's go Rangers.
everyone. This is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all-Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches, and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby.